thanks for checking out the KZMC podcast. My name is April Zare, and I'm an associate pastor at KZMC. This podcast is a recording of sermon teachings from our 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning worship gatherings. We release a new episode every Tuesday. If you're looking to check out our Sunday mornings, you can find our live stream over on our YouTube channel on Kingsfield Zurich Mennonite Church. We'd also love to have you join us in person. You can find out all the details about our Sunday mornings on our website, kzmc.ca. Thanks for listening and have a great day. There's an oil field in Texas called the Yates Pool. And uh, during the Great Depression, the field that sat on top of that oil field was owned by, by Ira and Ann Yates. They were ranchers and they had flocks of sheep and, and cattle that were on that, that land. And during the Great Depression, they were struggling to make ends meet, as a lot of people were. And they got to a place where they weren't able to make the mortgage payments on their property anymore, the principal or the interest. And they were in real trouble. They were in danger of losing their entire ranch, everything that they had put into it. They had very little money for clothes or for food for their family. And like lots of others in that time, had to go on government assistance. Day after day, they stood and they, they watched their, their herds and their flocks graze over those rolling hills in West Texas. And no doubt they were troubled and worried about what would become of them. In an almost final act of desperation, Mr. Yates called a a seismographic crew from an oil company that were in the area to come to his farm to see if there might be any chance of there being a little bit of oil underneath their property. And so the company came and they did some readings and they began to sink a test well. When that test well hit 1,000 115 feet, they struck what they call a gusher. And a gusher, which you may or may not know, I didn't, is a pool of oil that is so large that it's, it's under such pressure that when, when the, the drill breaks the surface, it just shoots out of the ground. There's just so much pressure to, and, and it will keep shooting out of the ground until they put a cap on that. That first well that they put there began to produce 80,000 barrels a day of oil. And many subsequent wells that they drug, dug after that were more than twice as large as that. And it turns out that it was one of the most, uh, the largest oil fields in all of the U.S. And in fact, I didn't get information on where it's at today, whether it's still producing, but after 30 years, it was still uh, tested at showing the potential to, to have another 125,000 barrels of oil a day in that field. And Mr. and Mrs. Yates owned it all. The day they purchased that land, they also purchased the mineral rights to, to that oil underneath of it. And yet their family had been living on relief, had been living in poverty, had been living in struggle. They were a family of multimillionaires that didn't know it yet. They were living on top of this, this great resource. I share that with you because I think it's a great illustration for us of, of what we're, why we're looking at spiritual gifts today. Spiritual gifts are a resource that God has given to us, that God has provided for us. Last week, hopefully, you, you heard the announcement that 
the newly formed uh, gift discernment team is, is providing an opportunity for everyone to begin to explore their spiritual gifts if they haven't already. If you haven't already done this or know what your gifts are, you'll have this opportunity. They're doing that for a couple of reasons. First of all, I think it's because it's an important part of our personal discipleship. It's an important part of, of each one of us being followers of Jesus to understand that, that God has given us gifts. And if God has given us gifts, don't we want to take hold of those gifts? If God has given us gifts for, uh, for ourselves and for the church, don't we want to use those gifts and be, be good stewards and be responsible with those gifts? Everyday followers of Jesus, we need to understand what those gifts are and use them the way God intended. So that's the first reason, mainly because it's, it's a discipleship thing. It's part of us being followers of Jesus to understand what God has given us, how God has made us, and how God has put us together so we can use those gifts for God's glory as part of our personal lives of worship to Him. The second reason they're doing it is because so that the church can be fully built up and made mature. As, as a church family, we have many different kinds of ministries here. And those many different ministries require many different kinds of spiritual gifts to be able to, to function well, to be effective in ministry. And so the gift discernment team wants to be able to, to look at the ministries that we're doing to discern, that's where the name comes from, right? Discern what spiritual gifts are needed for those ministries and then begin to find people that have those gifts and match them up with, with the ministries. We don't want to just be putting warm bodies in positions. They're filling a slate for the purpose of filling a slate. It's better for the church because the church can then be more effective in its, in its ministries. And it's better for each one of us if we understand what our gifts are and we're functioning in that area. It's fulfilling. It feels right. It feels natural. I think like the Eights family, a lot of people can go about their daily lives without understanding their gift and certainly not tapping into it. And because of that, the church and, and those individuals can live in a state of poverty in some ways, not grabbing hold of that resource, that gift that God has, has given. It lies right underneath their noses. So with that said, let's begin to explore this tremendous pool of, of gifts, of resources that God's provided us as we look at the ifs of spiritual gifts. The first if in spiritual gifts is this, that if you have the Holy Spirit, uh, you, if you have Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. And I almost don't need to talk about this because Dave's did such a good job of, of talking about this already. If you have said yes to Jesus, if you have given your, yourself over to, to him, if you have accepted the gift of, of life and salvation through Jesus, then the Holy Spirit comes and makes his dwelling in you. The Holy Spirit lives in you. There's lots of passages that remind us of this. Romans 8, 9 to 10 is, is one of them. That when you and I give our yes to Jesus, the Spirit dwells in us, makes us his dwelling place, makes us his temple. The Holy Spirit actually takes up residence inside of us. And that's why Paul talks about the Spirit of God living in us. Ephesians 2, verses 19 to 22 says this, 
So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens of God along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together, we are his house, built on the foundations of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. We are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. Through him, you Gentiles were also made part of the dwelling place where God lives by his Holy Spirit. So there's an aspect where, where the Holy Spirit lives in us individually, but there's an aspect where God, through his Holy Spirit, lives in us as a community as well. There's this image of a house, image of a temple that, that applies to us as individual followers of Jesus, but also as a larger body. The Spirit lives in us. And the Holy Spirit plays many different roles. Transformation, as we've heard a powerful testimony of already today. Convicting of sin. Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the counselor or the helper. The Holy Spirit reminds us of God's word. And does many other things that I could list but don't have time for here today. If you have Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit. You are the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. The second if is this. Is if the Holy Spirit lives in you, you have a spiritual gift. If you've said your yes to Jesus, and then the Holy Spirit lives in you, you have a spiritual gift. You may or may not know what that gift is, but you have one. And there's an opportunity to discover it. There's an opportunity to find out what that is and to live it. We already read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 to 11. But verse 7 of that, if you have your Bible still open, it says, each of us. There's not a lot of exceptions when we see those words, each of us, is there? Every one of us has at least one spiritual gift. Each one, no exceptions. So what is yours? What is your spiritual gift? What is my spiritual gift? How do we discover that? And that's part of the reason that we're doing this, this inventory. But the, this, this inventory that we'll be providing with you, an opportunity to fill out either in paper form or I think we're possibly offering it online as well, it is a starting point. There's no such thing as a perfect tool or a perfect survey to find out. These really are just starting points. And so maybe you have a sense already of what your spiritual gift is. Maybe you've done this before. Maybe this will be totally new to you as you fill up the survey and begin to, to, to figure out what your spiritual gift is. Those things are starting points. The only really way to, to find out what your spiritual gift is is to begin to try and function in it, to begin to try and live it out and see how that goes, and see how you feel. Do you feel fulfilled? Is it, is it giving life to you, or is it draining life out of you? And so this opportunity is a, is a starting point for each one of us to, to discover and to live in to what our spiritual gifts are. Third, third if is, if you have a spiritual gift, you are to use it. Matthew 25, verses 14 to 29, Jesus tells the, the fictional story. Some places it's called the parable of the talents. has other names in different places, but it's the story where, where a master who was wealthy was preparing to go on a trip and takes three of his servants aside and, and gives them various amounts of money to, to steward, to take care of, to use. 
And if you remember the story, the first steward, I think, has, has three talents or three bags of gold, and, and this person decides to invest them, and when the master comes back, has, has multiplied, has more than what the master gave him. The second person was the same, had a slightly lesser, I think had two talents and invested those, and again, came back with more, ended up with more when the master came back. And the, the master was pleased with both of those people because they had used what was being given. But it was that third one that Jesus gave this lesson for because the third one was, was afraid. The third one was afraid of, of losing what they'd been given, was afraid about what would happen if the master came back and, and he wasn't able to, to produce, even, even give the same amount as what he had been given. And it was that servant who was, was scolded, who had what he had, had taken away and given to one of the other servants. What is Jesus talking about here? Is he talking about money? I don't think he is. I think he's talking about using the gifts that God has given to us, which includes our spiritual gifts. He's talking about taking everything that we've been given and being faithful with it, of using what God has given to us. That would include our money, being good stewards and faithful stewards of our, of our money, of our financial resources, of our, our time and our energy, but it also includes our spiritual gifts. And so, Again, following the if statement, if we have the Holy Spirit living in us, or if we have Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit. If we have the Holy Spirit, then we have a gift. And if we have a gift, then we're expected to, to use that and be good stewards of that gift. God's expectation is that we use it. What do we use it for? Well, the whole verse of chapter 7, or chapter 12, verse 7 says, a spiritual gift is given to each one of us so that we can help each other. It's not for ourselves, it's for each other. It's not to be kept for me, just used for my benefit, but to be used for, for all of our benefit, for benefit in the church. The next if is, if you don't have a particular spiritual gift, you're not less valuable than the person who does. We didn't take time to read the next section from verses 12 to verse 30. But that's the passage that talks about how the body has many parts and one part isn't more or less valuable than another part. All the gifts, all the spiritual gifts, whether they seem ordinary, whether they seem miraculous, they're valuable, they're important, they're needed. And if you don't have one particular gift, it doesn't mean that, that you're a second-class person. The Holy Spirit gives according to the way that He gives. Because I think we get the wrong idea about spiritual gifts sometimes. I think maybe we get in our heads that, that the gift of leadership is somehow more important than the gift of helps. Oh, I, I only have the gift of helps. I just like to be in the background. I'm not a leader. And that's untrue. That's a lie, because all the gifts are valuable. All the gifts are needed. All the gifts are on a, a level playing field, and God gives them according to His purposes. Sometimes we strive to achieve certain gifts, that we wish we had a certain gift, and we might strive to try and, and get that gift. When I was younger, when I was in my probably teens and 20s, 
uh, I really felt like I wanted the gift of tongues. I've never received it. I believe it still exists. I believe it has a purpose. But I also believe that that wasn't one of the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given to me, even though I wanted it. And that's true of any of the gifts. We don't choose which gift we receive. The Holy Spirit decides what gifts and to whom. But the main purpose of spiritual gifts is for them to be used and to be helpful to each other and in God's church. Just like the parts of a body. We need to work together. We need all those parts of the body to be working together, working in concert together. Because that's when we as, as a body are whole. That's when we can do and be everything that, that God is calling us to. There was a Bible study group that was meeting in a home one time and they were talking about spiritual gifts and talking about how the, the different parts of the body do different things and, and wondering how gifts that are so different from each other can, can work together. It was at that moment that one of the people in the group accidentally dropped her cup on the floor and the cup shatters and coffee flies everywhere. Well, the, the administrator responds by organizing a cleanup committee. Bill, please go find the mop. Sally, could you help him with a towel? Well, Bill, who had the gift of service, hurried to get the mop, and Sally, who has the gift of helps, forwarded or followed Bill and says, I'll be right there with you. The teacher gave some advice. Well, maybe next time don't put the cup on the, on the end of the coffee table like that. The person with the gift of encouragement said, now we all make mistakes. Don't let, it get, don't let it get you down. The person with the gift of mercy just put her arm around this person and was just there, didn't even say anything. Just there beside them. And the person with the gift of giving said, I'll buy a new set of coffee mugs to replace the broken one. And after they had finished cleaning up the mess and things settled back down, they realized that what an illustration this had been of, of what they were talking about exactly. Even without thinking about it, they just began to function in their areas. And I think that's the way spiritual gifts is supposed to work. I mean, this is a, a fictional story and it's an idealized story, but in a perfect world, when we are using our spiritual gifts, we will often do it without even thinking about it. it it's kind of who we are at the core of us. And then afterwards we can look. And, and sometimes, because it's just the way that we live and act, sometimes other people have an easier time of seeing what our spiritual gift is than what we do. Because they'll see us in that. They'll see us going to our, our natural place of giftedness. And so that's the other part of this, this discernment process, is hearing from each other. You might get a, a strong sense of what your spiritual gift is as you do the survey. Maybe you already have that sense. But that can also be confirmed as you, as you share that with someone else. And they'll either say, yeah, that really seems like you. Or they'll say, you know, I always thought you had maybe this spiritual gift that's different. And we can begin to function and use those gifts for, for the betterment of the whole body, for each other. We need each other. We need all the gifts. We need them all to be used in the body. Each one of those, those gifts and those, uh, those, those temperaments have strengths and weaknesses, and we need to understand that. And even in that place, we help each other. We fill in the gaps. 
We need each one so that God's church, God's work that He's calling us to as a church can be done and done well and be a witness to our world. In the story that Jesus tells about the talents, there's both a promise and a warning. The warning is that if we have a gift and don't use it, it could be taken away. Maybe that just means that it kind of lies dormant and it's not there. And we won't sense the, the, the sense of fulfillment as we're, we're using our gift and functioning in it. But the promise is even better. It says that when we use our gifts, they increase. That no matter where we are, no matter what starting place we are with our gift, if we use it and embrace it and begin to, to walk and function in it, we grow in that. And we grow stronger. And when we do that, we all grow stronger together. As you and I function in the strengths that God gives, we get stronger and we get more mature, which is what God's will is for His church. Let's pray. God, thank You for Your gift. Thank You for providing us with everything that we need. And thank You, God, for making us different. That we don't all have all the gifts, but each one of us is unique. Each one of us is, is uniquely gifted, uniquely empowered to be a, a part of the body, to be a part that the whole body needs. And so God, I just pray blessing on this, this discernment process that if a person already knows what their gift is, that this would be a chance to, to embrace it even more and to grow in it. That if there's people here that don't really know what that gift is, that this discovery time would be a starting point of learning it and embracing it and, and just grabbing hold of that gift that you provided. And above all else, God, we pray that you would bless your church. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence. Thank you for giving us everything that we need to do what you've called us to. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.